0: name is Cheyenne and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I totally forgot that this was a recorded meeting like the whole time that we were sitting here last eight minutes and then you just reminded me so thanks I'm nervous now. The pressure is on. Um, uh, First off I just want to say welcome Eric. 40 days is fucking amazing and I'm super super stoked that you're here. We're all super super stoked that you're here and we hope that you stick around. Um, It's not an easy thing to do the first 40 days are not easy um so yeah thank you for being here Eric um yeah my name's Shan I'm an alcoholic um I just celebrated three years of continuous sobriety um in April I believe so yeah I got a little bit well, worth- happy birthday. thank you it was a few months ago but it's still um yeah pretty stoked on it as long as I've ever had sober um Even when I was, when I was 40 days sober, that was the longest I had ever been sober since I was, you know, 12 years old. Um, I, man, um, sobriety, being sober and working a program of Alcoholics Anonymous has given me not, not only just a better life, but I actually like have a life today, which is not something that I could have said before I got sober. Um, Yeah, like before I got sober, I, I didn't have I couldn't say, like, oh, I want my life back because I started drinking and using so young that it was just, like, all that I knew. Like, all that I knew in life was, like, how to get fucked up and how to get outside myself and how to change how I was feeling. And and that was, like, one of the biggest... Um, motivators for me was I just was so uncomfortable being in my own skin just like existing as a human among other humans in this world like I was so fucking uncomfortable with that and like drugs and alcohol helped like drugs and alcohol gave me a what felt like just kind of like a safety security blanket that I could walk around the world with and I was like okay um and it worked for like a, a decent amount of time, you know, like I, I was able to like feel more comfortable in myself and around other people and um, I didn't feel like I was crawling out of my skin all the time anymore. And why else would I like fucking keep doing something that's destroying the rest of my life if like it's not doing something for me like drugs and alcohol did something for me they were the solution for a time and um, and I was so very much um, I felt so held by drugs and alcohol that I um, that I didn't see a reason to stop like for a really long time. I didn't see a reason and I didn't stop until I was, until I was forced to. And like, I don't know like if I ever would have gotten sober if I hadn't, you know, been incarcerated and I hadn't been literally like, I didn't have a choice, but to be sober. Um, and now, now, man, it's just like, I have today I have a sponsor that I can call and I can tell her how I'm feeling and she comes to me with what like when I first started working with her first started working the steps I I would like get annoyed sometimes because I felt like I would call her about something and she would, she would reference the book or she would be like, Oh, what about this step or this? And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, you, do you just live out of this book? Like what, like, can I just like talk to you as like a human? Like I didn't get it when I first got sober. Um, but then like, you know, just taking her suggestions and even though like, I didn't necessarily like understand why, the hows or whys behind, like, what she and other people were telling me, um, I still did it because, like, I was finally at a place where I had a certain amount of willingness to just fucking try something. Um, And down the line, you know, like, now I understand that the big book is, like, a... The big book is full of direction. And... and it's full of it's full of direction for like how i can take action when i am in distress and when i am feeling feelings that i don't know how to feel or if i i'm in fear or if i feel like i fucked up somehow and i want to and my head wants to beat myself up around it like I can open up the big book and I, I can go out and I can be of service and I can help another alcoholic or another non-alcoholic, just helping someone else, period. Um, Which is not something that like I ever would have thought before would, would help me feel better. But now that's like my go-to is I'm able to like pick up the phone and call someone and ask them how they're fucking doing. Like, get, like, get me out of myself um, and yeah, I've really been learning, um, lately about like balance and really trying to practice balance in my life and in my sobriety. Um, and it was really cool to hear and read, um, more about alcoholism just now, cause I don't know when the last time I read that was, um, but like, like last week I had this work dinner with, um with like my supervisors and everything. And they had told me, they were like, oh yeah, since it's been like such a, such a crazy, busy, stressful week at work, you know, we're all going to like unwind with dinner and drinks and blah, blah, blah. And like, I like just started this position at work. And so it got me hella anxious, like, oh God, there's going to be a bunch of alcohol over there. Like, they don't know that I don't drink. Like, what is this going to look like? And um, I was able to... I was able to first off like acknowledge the fact that like I was feeling like uncomfortable and that I was feeling like, wow, yeah, this week has been like super stupid fucking stressful. And yeah, like I understand like the people that get together with their coworkers and like unwind by going out for drinks or something. Like I get that now. And There were moments of like envy of like, wow, these people can do this and I fucking can't. Like, how nice would it be if I were one of these people that could do this? But the cool thing is, is that I was able to go to this work dinner and it was not like even like a fraction as bad as I had built it up to be in my mind. Like, yeah, there were drinks, but I sure as shit was not the only person that was not drinking. Like, and it's not like it was only drinks. Like there was food, there was a couple fucking Guinea pigs that I got to cuddle. Like it was, you know, like it, it was so, so much less bad than like I anticipated it to be. And that's because, like, I am able to, I have, like, these tools, you know, I know what helps me feel safe in the moment when I am, like, in situations that could be risky to me or could be uncomfortable, and that's another fucking thing is that, like, I am able to feel uncomfortable, like, when I'm, when I was talking earlier about how, you know, before when I first started drinking and using, like, I was just so dumbass uncomfortable all the time, like, I'm still uncomfortable a lot of the time, but like, I'm able to sit through that discomfort and I'm able to sit, sit in it and move through it and move the fuck on. Like this morning, I was stupid anxious. I was stupid, stupid sad, like just feeling all the feelings this morning. And I was able to tell myself like, yo, like, I'm okay for feeling this right now. And I know that this is not going to last forever. I know that this is just a wave of feelings and feelings are temporary and I'm like going to survive and I'm going to be okay. And the only reason that I'm able to like reassure myself like that is because I'm sober and because I know I have like a whole mess of addicts and alcoholics who love me and I love them and that are family to me. And I have a higher power that I can tap into and I can count on to take care of me because they've taken care of me for my entire fucking life. If there was no higher power out there, then I would not fucking be alive right now. Um, I think I'm going to end right there. Thank you so much for having me speak tonight. Um, and I'll pass it on to you, David.
1: I'm David. I'm an alcoholic. Um, and, uh, thanks for, for allowing me to come to your meeting and, um, and to speak and Cheyenne, any story that includes a guinea pig, dude, I'm down. Um, that, that is so cool. Um, I want to say a couple of things before I get rolling and, and talk about the problem and, and what happened and, and what my life is like today. And one of which, one of the things I heard in AA, um, fairly recently was that um, I don't know if this is the right place for everyone, um, but I do know that this is a safe place for everyone. Um, it, it's a very safe place for me. It is definitely the right spot for me and I'll get into that more in in, in just a little bit. Um, the other thing that I heard in AA a, 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 a while ago was that, you um, this was not the first thing I tried. Um, it, was, it, was, it was the last thing I tried and it was the first thing that worked. Um, and I think a lot of alcoholics are like that. I'm, I'm, I'm an alcoholic and I'm gonna tell my story and I hopefully you can relate to some of it. because I can tell you, I don't know all of your stories, but I know that I relate to all of your stories if you're alcoholic. Um, and that's so comforting to me to know that I fit in here and that there's a place for me and that, that this group of people understands the way I think because I think like, like the people in the group, um, and, and they drank like me, and, and they look at the world the way. Uh, there's a lot of similarities, you know, and uh, I walked around as an alcoholic, from a long time ago, when I first had my first drink at 16, it was, it was not just a drink. It was not just one full beer, you know, like I'm arrived, I, I get a full beer to myself. No, no, no. It was my first drink. It was my first full-on drunk. It was my first blackout. It was my first, um, you know, passing out, throwing up. Um, pitiful, and incomprehensible demoralization, all in that first night woke up on the guys woke up on Richard's couch I went to his, his, his house for a party and it was the best night of my life and all of that stuff happened on, on that night and I'm 58 years old that night happened when I was 16, so it was a long long time ago, I can tell you that the Dark Side of the Moon was, uh, that album was playing on the record player I remember that. And I could I could describe the where the couches were in the in the room um, at, the, at the party. Um, and that was a long time ago. But that's when that's when the love affair with alcohol, that was when the solution of alcohol really, I mean, I, I had a ton of problems that alcohol could have solved a lot earlier, um, which is similar to our first speaker, right. As I, I don't fit in. I'm super uncomfortable. i was super uncomfortable in kindergarten, you know, and that's when I first noticed it because I was hanging out with people that were not my family, you know, and I get out of my family and, I, and I'm going into this kindergarten room and I don't fit in. I am so different. I am, I am not like everyone else. And so I, that's when I started to need to drink. I, I probably, you know, if, if alcohol was available, that would have fixed it, you know, and I would have had, it would have been okay. Cause at 16, when I had it, you know, my pimples fell off, you know, and, and I, and I could dance and I could talk to girls and, and I couldn't do any of that before, you know, and, and I could just be at a party and, and and hang out and relax a little bit. Um, and so if it, it and it worked that well, so I did it as often as I could. Um, and I, I finally quit drinking, when I was 38 years old um so I I made a good run at it you know and I and I drank hard and I, and I and I never drank socially I don't understand don't understand how people can have a have a drink or two drinks and say oh I've had enough I'm, I'm going to stop if I have a drink there better be a large bottle around somewhere very close or I'm going to have to leave to go get one um, i don't i don't get started and not want to finish not need to finish the job um so that's kind of how i drank at 16 i was in high school and, and and it was and it was fun you know it was totally a lot of fun i have a couple older brothers and, and they have ids and i know what their date of birth is and i know their names and everything else so if I borrowed um, their driver's license and some cash, I'm in their wallet anyway, so I might as well take the cash too. I can go to the liquor store and get whatever I want. And, uh, and that's what I did. Um, when I got a license, I, I, just, I just found car keys and I just drove cars um, is what I did. And, um, and crashed them, you know, and stole a lot of money from my family. Um, uh, and they didn't go anywhere. You know, my, my older brother's like, Oh, it's okay. You're my brother. It's all good. No worries. Um, and we'll get to the ninth step hopefully in the next 10 minutes here. And, um, so that's how it was. And through high school and, and I, I went to college because that's where, that's where alcohol and girls were. So I went to college, um, and, and I could drink, heavily in college because that's what everyone else was doing in college. They were studying and we were partying and it was, it was all good. And, um, I, I, uh, got out of college, spent as much time as there in there as I could <coughs> and, um, and graduated and got a, a job and strapped on a tie and drank after work every day. Um, and told everybody that i had quit drinking. All my friends, I had to tell them I quit drinking because right right, right in the middle of college, I I turned 21 and I got a DUI and um, and it was super expensive and super annoying. And and I didn't want that to happen again. Um, So I, uh, I stayed put. I got a supply of alcohol and then I stayed put somewhere. I was the guy, if you did invite me to your party, I'm going to drink as hard and as fast as I can. Then I'm going to find a bed that I can pass out in. Um, and then that way you guys are going to continue the party and drink however y'all drink. And then you're going to try to find a bed to sleep in and I'm in one of them. Um, because I don't want to wait around for the second beer run or whatever else. Um, during the DUI process, I, I, uh, I had to go to six AA meetings. Um, this was in the in mid-80s. And uh, and it was horrible. I hated it. It was just, it was really, really bad. Um, and I, I, I thought to myself that, you know, my memories of this scene was like, there was just a bunch of old dudes in there with trench coats, and they were smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. And it was just like, this is not the club that I want to be in. Um, I want nothing to do with it. Um, and uh, so I I tried to hide as best I could and went up, got my court card signed at the end of these meetings, and um, and I did learn some stuff from those meetings. I remember from the podium, um, Alcoholics would say, you know, they they lost their job and they lost their house, and they lost the wife and the kids, and they they drank in the morning and they they drank cheap vodka. And I'm like seven easy rules. I just don't break any of those and I'll never be an alcoholic and I'll never have to go to AA. Um, so I, I drank from a glass bottle. You know, my last bottle of vodka was, a, was in a glass bottle. Um, I, I, I didn't drink after the sun came up, you know? Well, I waited until four or five o'clock in the afternoon when I got off work, I kept a job and I kept the house and I kept I kept a car and, and stuff like that because I didn't want to join Alcoholics Anonymous, but my, my life was a wreck. That was the only things that were in it was a little job and someplace to live in a car. And I was drinking. There was no, there was no people in my life. Um, if, if they were in my life, they were in my life really briefly um, because I couldn't handle not drinking for very long. So if I went to the party... I would not have a drink because I couldn't get started there. Because if I did get started there, I was going to end there and I have to go home. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to make a mess of it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ruin the party. I'm going to drink way too much. And the parties that I started getting invited to didn't have enough for me. And I'm like, you know what, I'm not doing it here. I go to the party just for a brief brief amount of time, say hello, shake some hands, kiss a baby or two, and then I'm 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 going to a liquor store, getting a fifth of vodka, locking the door, and spinning the lid off the bottle of vodka. Um, one of the A.A. rules that I broke, um, I just moved my expectations or whatever is is that is drinking alone. You know, that's what I heard a lot in AA meetings that people drank alone. And I'm like, well, I'm not alone if the TV's on and, and, you know, Bart Simpson's on there or, you know, I'm watching Cheers or something like that. And I wasn't drinking alone, but I, I spent a lot of time drinking alone. Um, and what I couldn't figure out is how to stop drinking by myself. And that's true in both ways. Like, I, I couldn't stop drinking all by myself because I didn't get in my way of my drinking, right? If I went to a bar, the bartender's going to serve too slowly. If I'm at your house, you're going to get in between me and my, 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 my drinking, because you're not going to like me when I'm, when I'm drinking and you're not going to look, you know, you're going to try to get, you know, between me and the bottle. And it also is true that I couldn't stop drinking by myself because I tried. Um, You know, what what mornings used to look like was a shower and and throwing up in the shower and saying what I think is the alcoholic prayer. What I've heard a lot of alcoholics say is God, get me through the day and I'll never drink again, you know? Um, And I said that prayer a lot as I threw up in the shower every morning uh, for the last three years of my drinking. Um, I had a phone and it would ring so back when we had landlines and my phone would ring but i'm not picking it up i don't care who's on the other end whether it's my best friend or, or a family member or anything else doesn't really matter um because i'm drunk and i'm, and I'm slurring my words and if i answer the phone you're going to know i'm drunk and you know where i live and you're going to come over and you're going to get between me and the bottle and that's just not a good thing i figured out that Cold, people don't cold call you either if you stop picking up the phone. So my phone just stopped ringing completely mm-hmm. in, in the last uh, couple of years of my drinking. Super lonely. I was really, really lonely just because I would work a few hours every day. I would come home and I'd spin the lid off a bottle of vodka and I'd drink a fifth of vodka every night, and it was good for about this much vodka. Right, the first couple of big swigs off of the tumbler full of vodka. And I'm, and I feel like, well, right. I feel like I, I don't know. I, I've smoked cigarettes and cigars before and uh, it's the first cigarette in the morning, right. It's not, I'm not having a cigarette all night and then I get up in the morning and have a cigarette and I'm not high. I'm well, you know, I've got nicotine replacement into my body and that's what was going on. I was hung over all day and, and a couple of good swigs of vodka and I am now well and everything is okay in the world. And then the balance of that, unfortunate, for what, what happened to me was, I, I, I can't stop at a couple of swigs of vodka. I can't stop it well, I gotta finish that bottle of vodka. And I also know exactly what tomorrow's gonna look like. Uh, uh-huh. Tomorrow's gonna look exactly like it did today, and today sucked, right? Today started up with me throwing up in the shower and just being hungover all day. Um, and I knew there was no other way to avoid that after I had a couple of swigs of vodka, I had to finish that bottle. It was like the lid would not go back on. Um, so that was what it was like. I, um, I hired a therapist cause they were covered by my insurance and I will, wasn't having a good time. off a fifth of vodka every day. So I figured maybe he's got some medication, you know, a little script pad he can help me out. And so I started going to therapy and, um, I don't know what normal drinking is so i can't really tell him what normal drinking is i don't want him to talk to me about alcohol i I don't want him to send me to aa and but I, i i don't like i said i don't know what normal drinking is so he'd ask me how much i drink and i said i don't drink anything i don't drink at all you know and um we went on like that for 18 months and um and i just kept going back every week and i don't think he even wrote anything down i think he knew i was just BSing him the whole time you know there was something else going on um 18 months or so into therapy i ran out of stuff to say you know like i I, the 40 minute hour or whatever 50 minute hour whatever it is it's been a while i got to 40 minutes and there's 10 minutes and there was just this gap and all of a sudden i opened my mouth and i said you know, I I drink a fifth of vodka every night. I said, does that have anything to do with my problems? And it was almost like the therapist woke up, you know, and he clicked his pen, and he wrote something on the paper, finally, you know, for my file. Um, and he said, Yeah, it does. Yeah, it has a lot to do with what's going on with you. And uh, and he sent me to AA and he was trying all different angles to try to get me to go. And I'm like, dude. I, I, I had a DUI when I was 21. I went to six AA meetings, none of it works. Said so I drank after every single one of those meetings. AA does not work. You know, you know, you need to either schedule surgery, a different medication that I'm on or something. I don't know what it is, but it's not AA. Um, and he's just like, no, AA is the only, the only thing that's gonna help. And I'm like, okay, well, I will go. And in my mind, I, I would show him how it wasn't gonna work. Um, and I did, you know, I, I went to AA meetings. I went just before the meeting started. I wanted to sit in the back with a, with a door to exit right behind me, that's, where I would, that's my favorite seat. And um, I wanna avoid eye contact and I want it to be a big meeting. and I wanna hear your stories. And then before you guys, you know, when you guys stand up and hold hands and do the chant, I'm out. I'm out, stop at the liquor store, go home. I'm just not drinking, just putting my drinking off for an hour or so. Um, the other mistake that I made um, along the way is that I kept going to the same therapist. And um, and I could, and, and what was interesting, and now I think it's a God thing, is that I, now I could burn up about 40 minutes, a 50-minute hour with my problems and my concerns, there'd be a 10 minute gap at the end. And he's like, I wouldn't talk about drinking the whole 40 minutes. And he goes, go, well, did you go to AA? And I'm like, yeah, I went to AA. It totally sucks. I drank after every meeting. And he goes, well, just go back to AA. And we'll take up you know, next week. And I'm like, Jesus, this guy's an idiot. So um, I kept going to AA and I kept drinking after meetings for a long time and still going to the same therapist. Um, and, uh, I went to the wrong meeting and I showed up way too early on a Wednesday night, uh, in, in what year was that in the year 2000, it's not my sobriety date, but it's the day that I met my sponsor. Um, it was a really, it was a long meeting too. It was an hour and a half meeting and I, I was thirsty I was going to drink after this meeting, you know, like I said, I arrived a little bit too early. I'm like, uh. But The seat with the with the door right behind me was available, so I took that seat. I don't think anybody else was in the room. There was probably somebody in there making coffee. There was probably some hubbub going on, but it was like a small like kindergarten room. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. I'm not going to be able to hide in here, you know. And uh, anyways, there was uh, some fellows that walked in, you know. And one of the guys sits right next to me, and then his buddy sits next to him. And then another guy sits right next to me on the other side of me. Well, That's that four dudes sitting by the back of the door, you know, with our backs to the door and all the rest of the seats are empty. And I'm going, come on, like leave a seat between us. Like we don't need to be this close to each other, you know? And, um, it was just nuts. It was crazy. It was weird. I was, I was scared. And, and the first guy that sat down threw off his trench coat and, um, I've seen tattoos before um and i've seen tattoos that come out of retail shops before um these these didn't come out of retail shops you know these this this guy spent some state time or some federal time or something he got in prison and i'm just like i am scared you know and uh and his buddy's sitting next to him and his buddy is probably six seven and he's huge you know and then the guy sitting over to my left, you, you may know of this man, um, Adam E, um, a pretty big, big, uh, big force in, in AA. Um, and uh, and Adam was a little guy, you know, and I figured I could maybe take Adam, you know. Um, but Adam whips out a big knife. He's picking, picking his fingernails with this big old hanging knife, just going... I am in the wrong spot. You know, I find out it's an hour and a half meeting. I'm like, this is, I I just got to get out of here. They had a break and we all went outside and these three fellows, they're surrounding me. and They're not, they're like, no, no, you're staying to the end. I'm like, I am not staying to the end of this thing. You know, I don't need to get a court card signed. I'm just going to tell my therapist. I went, I got to go. Somehow they convinced me to stay. Um, And, and then I stayed, and then after the meeting, they held me in the parking lot. Not really held me, but they told me their stories, you know. They told me what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. And, uh, and man, they're what it was like, man. It was crazy and cool and fun, and there was fire and explosion and obviously prison time. And I'm like, Ivan, this is so unlike any part of my story, right? And I'm like, this is really, really cool. I could, I, I like that, you know? Um it was really, really interesting. They talked about the, the middle part of the story, right? What happened? I'm going to try to spend a little bit of time there, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take you through every individual step um, just because I believe, and for me, it was, it was a much better to experience this stuff um, with another alcoholic reading and, and, and doing the work, um, whether that be your sponsor or just another al- sober alcoholic. But I'll tell you a little bit about my experience um, with the steps. I was, like, really wasn't interested in, in their middle part of the story, right? And I started doing joint AA, did the steps, and, you know, met God. And, 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 then, and then, but their last part of their story was super interesting. And I boiled it down to, like, they were sober and happy at the same time. I'm like, how in the hell is he figuring that out? How are you sober? and happy at the very same time. Like, I'm sober when I wake up in the morning and I'm throwing up in the shower. That's when I'm sober. You know, I'm sober at work with a pounding headache and dry mouth and burning eyes, and my stomach is killing me. That's when, that's when I'm sober. I am not happy. I'm sober, and I'm craving alcohol. I'm sober, and I'm trying to leave your party so I can get drunk. I'm sober because I need a drink. And needing something is horrible. I need it and I want it. And, I, and I'm, I'm too far away from it. I am not happy. Somehow these guys are happy and sober at the same time. I'm like, that's kind of a cool trip. I didn't drink that night. Again, not my sobriety date. Um, so anyways, I, uh, they asked me where I was going the next night. I said, I don't know. Where are you guys going? So I followed them around. And I met the guys that they met. Somewhere in the book, it says um, that the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous um, builds up around you. Um, and that's what happened to me. All right, there's all of a sudden, like my life is super small, right? I'm coming home, spinning the lid off a bottle of vodka, I'm turning on the TV set, and I'm drinking myself to oblivion. And I'm waking up and I'm doing the same And I'm going to work and then I'm going to buy a bottle and I'm coming home. And there's no friends and, and there's nothing going on in my life. And then all of a sudden, now there's these guys giving me their phone numbers and, hey, let's go hang out. Let's go get some pie afterwards. So I went to AA meetings and I went to pie and I drank a lot of coffee and I I ate some pie and talked and laughed and joked around. And and you know what? This was okay. This was this was pretty good, you know, and they were they they accepted me for being awkward. And and uh, and I felt like I didn't fit in and stuff like that. And somehow I felt like I was in the box of misfit toys, you know, and it was okay. You know, I was a misfit toy too. And they, they knew that and I knew that they were too. And it was all good. Um, so anyways, I was hanging out with them, not drinking and uh, still wanting to drink, but just not drinking. Uh, and I remember, uh, I would hang around with these guys and kind of go to the meetings that they went to. And, and it was all good. And I, and I kind of thought of them as my posse, like nothing's going to happen to me if I've got this posse with me. Um, and I just went where they went and yeah, it was all right. Um, I started to uh, started to raise my hand and alcoholics anonymous meetings and go, you know, they said, any newcomers I'd raise my hand and say, I'm David, I'm an alcoholic. And it was great. Cause you all would say, Hey David, clap. Sometimes you turn around, and say, "Hey, keep coming back" or something. Glad you're here. And then you turn around and you look in the front, and you wouldn't pay any attention to me anymore. And that's really what I wanted. I just wanted to just be alone in there. So I figured out how to fit in. And then I and I was hanging out with these guys. Um, and when I was with those guys, everything was all right. Um, and I started to feel a little bit better. Uh, I started going to meetings on my own. Um, without my posse and I, I remember this guy came up to me and he got in my face after a meeting and he asked me if I had, a if I had a sponsor. Um, and, and then I, I didn't know what a sponsor was. Um, and I thought it was really rude of him to ask me a question that I didn't know the answer to. That's super rude. Don't do that. And so, um, and he was bigger than me. And, uh, and I just said, uh, I just thought on my feet, you know, I just said, you know what? Hey, I don't have a sponsor. Uh, I'm shopping for one. And, uh, and he said something like, Oh, you're just a controlling alcoholic. You're going to drink and die. So inside my mind, because I didn't have my posse with me, especially my ex con posse guy, I, you know, I told him to fuck off, you know, I'm like, fuck you watch. I'll stay sober, you know, and you're not going to be my sponsor. And uh so I I got a hold of the ex con and asked him to be my sponsor. Um I didn't know what he wanted to do, but I know what I wanted him for. You know, I just wanted him to be this badass force that if somebody else got in my face and asked me, Do I have a sponsor? I can tell him, Yeah, I do. Do you want to meet him? You know, because he'll take care of things for me. That's what I He had some other stuff in mind. Um, a lot of meetings read Chapter Five, you know, how it works, and we go through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's what he wanted to do. Uh, and he pointed out that, that the first step starts with we. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol; that our lives had become unmanageable. So me throwing up in the shower saying, God, give me through the day and I'll never drink again. I knew I was an alcoholic. I was admitting to me that I was an alcoholic. It was me and God. Turns out an Alcoholics Anonymous, they need another person, right? They need a we, they need another alcoholic to do this. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, but okay, let's do this because my way did not work at all. And I tried, I tried hard. So anyways, I got this guy as my sponsor. Um, no one's ever kicked the crap out of me in a parking lot. No one's ever gotten my face anymore. I've never needed, I've never needed a posse to be in AA, um, but I have one still. And so we, we started working the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and reading the book together, and going to meetings together and talking about, about um, um, how to live without alcohol. And um, and I remember him telling me stuff like, you know, you'll feel better. You'll feel better, you know, not drinking, you'll feel better. And when you do the steps, you'll feel better. When you, when you spend more time in Alcoholics Anonymous and you do some service work in Alcoholics Anonymous, you'll feel better. And I did for a while, you know, and I remember I had kind of a crappy day or crappy week or something. And I went to him and I said, you know, you lied to me. He said I'd feel better. I said, but I'm pissed. You know, I' not making the money I used to make, or whatever it was. It was something going wrong in my life. Now I was not happy. It's definitely not happy. And my sponsor said, hey, he said, well, what did I say? I said you told me I'd feel better, and I don't. I do not feel better. And he goes. Well, yeah, you, you do feel better. You feel anger better, and you feel resentment better, and you feel happiness better, and you feel love, and, and all you feel everything better because you're not numbing it with alcohol. I didn't really like that he was right um, at all, but uh, but I didn't fire him, and and uh, and we kept working the steps. What I find super interesting. Um, Oh, and another thing I heard in AA, just recently, actually, somebody, somebody's sponsor um, said something to him and hung up the phone or they told the story. They said, I was talking to my sponsor one day, you know, and I was just, just grinding on the steps. You know, I was just like, I was really fighting the whole thing. And he said he called his sponsor to complain about something. And, you know, he finally stopped enough to take a breath. And his sponsor said, you know don't be surprised if this Alcoholics Anonymous thing works. And he just hung up the phone. And I'm like, that is phenomenal. You know? Um, and why I think it's phenomenal is that it's the experience of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? It's, the, it's, it's our individual experiences that we have in Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not interested in, in, in... When I was drinking, I was not really all that interested in your experience from a fifth of vodka. I was really interested in mine, you know, I'm, I'm spinning the lid off. I'm not getting drunk because you're telling me that you had a bottle of vodka last night. I'm not, and I'm not happy about that. I'm not feeling that at all. And, uh, but my experience with alcohol is that it, you know, it, it takes me places and it, and it really screwed up a bunch of stuff in my life, and my relationships. So that's what happens in AA too, you know, is that, is that there is an experience here. And it's phenomenal for me. It's phenomenal. Have your own, you know, and my sponsor and, and people I hang out with encourage me to do that too. It's like, have your own experience, do this stuff and then see what happens. You know, this whole expectation thing, right? We're not supposed to expect anything, right? We're supposed to because they were going to plan a resentment because it's not going to go our way. You know, uh, I'm convinced, right? I'm, I'm trying to run the show. I'm trying to drive the bus. I'm trying to do all of that stuff. I'm trying to control everything. And AA says, ah, let go of all that stuff and see what happens. And I'm just like, wait, wait a minute. I got to let go and see what happens. Well, if I backtrack a little bit, like I'm spinning the lid off a bottle of vodka or, or taking something out of a bag, you know, And I'm not in control about what happens when that goes in my body. And I'm totally okay with that. Totally okay to see where the night goes. You know, I'm at a big party or whatever else I went to burning man for a number of years. um, When it first started and uh, I, and I took some stuff there and I was totally happy with, we're going to put this in our, I'm going to put this in my body and I'm going to see what experience I have and I'm ready for it. And it's going to be a surprise and I'm down. Get into AA it's like, do these steps and see what happens, and don't have any expectations. And I'm like, wait a minute, I want cash and prizes. That's what I want. I want some certainty if I'm going to do this stuff, especially step nine. So, um, so since I brought that up, so so I, I, I in chapter five it says that some of these we balked, right? At some of these steps we balked. I balked, right? I balked at step four. I'm not writing stuff down. I look like I've uh, oh crap! It's eight fifty-one already. Um, so I did a lot of stuff that I never got caught for, and I read ahead. I'm like, oh, step nine. I got to go pay some of this stuff back, um, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to walk into stores and and pay them back for all the shoplifting I used to do. Um, good thing there's a few steps before step nine, um, and and I did. I did get to walk into a bunch of stores and, uh, and offer to pay them back for things that I stole. Um, and it didn't cost me very much money. Um, and I felt, I felt super high when I left, like really, really happy that, you know, um, and it seemed like I, it seemed like their day was made when somebody came in and told them that they stole a bunch of stuff at their store. They were just like, who does that? You know, who comes back and says that kind of stuff? You know, and I, I thought that you know what I, I just I, I made an entertainment, entertaining day for this person. Maybe I don't know, um, but it made me feel really, really good. Made amends to my family, and my brothers, um, for for taking from them and stuff. And they just said, you know, they just basically st- stuck out their hand and said, you know what, just be a good brother. And I had no idea how to do that, no idea. Um, and and what I did learn from steps one through nine was that. I I needed to say yes a lot, or I did say yes a lot to my sponsor. Like, are you going to do step one? Yes. Are you going to do step two? Yes. said yes a lot, volunteered for literature and doing some, making coffee and stuff like that. I said yes a lot to AA. and, And so I decided to say yes a lot to my family. Um, and I got to do that. Um, and it's been super, super fulfilling um, since I'm running out of time, um, uh, so I'll, I'll tell you two family members and, and step nine for me. And it's, a, and it, and it definitely ties in about what my life is like today and what do I get to do? Um, and, um, about service within AA, you know, at first I thought it was a chore, you know, I thought step nine was this chore and it has turned, it turned into, it's, it's an opportunity and it's something that I get I get to do it. I'm alive, but I get to make things right with some other people, and I get to do service. So a lot of people don't get to do that, and I feel phenomenal after that. sort of like a bottle of vodka or something that's in a bag. I do that until phenomenal afterwards. I'm after the I'm after the, the effect of whatever I do. I want the I want a good effect by that. So what happened was I got I got sober, and uh, and and my mom was sick. Um, and she had everything under the sun, um, with her body was, was just messed up. And so I would just go visit her. Um, and I would just say yes to her, you know, and she would be at home or she'd be at a rehab facility or whatever else she'd be in all different kinds of conditions. And she would say, Hey, can you go get me in an out burger? And I've said, yeah, of course I can go get you in an out burger. You know, and, and she had all these wild schemes about how to get herself out of the old folks' home and then back without anybody noticing that she was gone and stuff like that. And I just thought, wow, that's wonderful. That's, that's really, really great. We spent a lot of time, um, and, and we were, we were good. And I, and I got to have 10 years with her as a sober son. Um, and she knew where I was. And she knew when I was coming back to visit, and she knew that, that I would do anything for her. All I would do is I would just tell her yes. And it was just such a great spot for me to be in. Um, and it was really, really a great opportunity. So she passed in 2010, and um, I miss her dearly. God took her. And, and, and took her easy, you know, like she, she just went to sleep and didn't wake up. And that was my prayer. I knew God, I knew she was going to die. I just didn't want her to be hurt on the way out. Um, and, and I got that wish. It's 855. There's more. And uh, I, I, I love AA. I like the, I love the effect that AA has on my life. And it, and, it, and it has an effect on those that are around me as well. And I see it around the other people in AA and their family and their friends as well. Um, so I'm staying, so thanks for letting me share.